Howdy, friends. Welcome to another episode of Escaping the Cave. I'm over at uh, escapingthecave.com. Tonzilla X with two Ds at Substack. I have a Facebook and Twitter page as well. Um, just do a search on Escaping the Cave. There, don't, get, don't get your hopes up. If you're a new listener and you haven't checked out the page yet, haven't checked out the, the Twitter account, if you, you think we're going to engage, going to get together on the Twitter and have ooh, fancy little conversations and debates, probably not. I don't engage too many people on uh, Facebook or Twitter. These days, unless I know who you are, but it is there technically. No, don't get your hopes up too high. I think that's what I'm trying to get at. I'm your friendly host, Todd. If I introduce myself yet in this episode, hope you're good. As I sit here recording this, this is March 1st of 2021, and we are a full year. This is the month last year, 12 months ago, that everything started to change. I have been a little bit under the weather, a couple of different things going on. I don't know if anybody else has noticed this. Maybe not. It could be just a, you know, I have a tuned ear for this kind of thing, but my voice is weird. You may be able to hear that a little bit today when I shut up because I've got another, I'm giving you another uh, retrospective, sort of a rerun today. Uh, but my voice has not been feeling good for a really long time. <laughs> just doesn't feel strong. I shouldn't be pointing this out to you. Now you're going to notice it. Most of you probably didn't even didn't notice a, da- a damn thing about it, but it feels it feels very hollow to me. It, fe- it feels weak, and it has for a long time. And I don't know why that is. Either way, that's my excuse today. <laughs> that's why I'm not giving you a new episode today. I'm worried about my voice. It's been like this since at least the summer. But by God, I'm concerned today because I really, honestly, I just... I watched Trump, uh, a little bit of uh, Trump's uh, CPAC speech last night. And I know where the next four years, I think I know where the next four years is going to go. And I just don't want to talk about it. I don't even want to say it. I was afraid last night that that speech, and it could turn out to be, it could have some historical significance later on. But before he even took the stage, I was thinking to myself, man, this is like, Uncle Adolf just got released from uh, Lansdowne, or Landsberg Prison. Landsberg, right? Yeah, Landsberg Prison. He's making his first public appearance in Munich. The Democrats, just like the, the socialists and the, everybody else in Weimar, trying to ban him from the political process, bar him from the political process with this impeachment crap. You know, they may still do it with the prison sentence. I'm just saying all I'm saying. There is a historical precedence here. It's not direct. Nothing's ever directly parallel, but there's a lot of, a lot of really creepy-ass similarities here. A full 46% of Republicans, I think it was 46%, I wasn't planning on doing all this, but a full 46% of Republicans said in a poll that was taken that they would follow Donald Trump if he started a new party. And I think it was another 30%, 20 or 30% who said they weren't sure. The Republicans have a huge problem. I've talked so much about this. And and part of the reason reason I'm having a really hard time mustering the motivation to do anything, I just know I've talked about this shit already over and over and over again. I've, I've been meaning to touch on something that Dan Carlin talked about in one of his Common Sense episodes. It's like, I feel like I'm talking down to you. I feel like I have to like go back and explain everything. Things that I have already explained over and over and over again or, or said that I thought was coming. 
on stuff that I consider to be remedial. I don't know. I don't have a very high opinion of my own education level, so I probably think, well, if I've got this, everybody else probably should have it too. This plays into social media, my attitude, my attitude toward people on social media. I have pretty much stopped interacting with anyone outside of my own little tiny, uh, highly called ecosystem. I quit communicating with anybody. I very rarely will have an interaction with another human being. I just lurk. I watch and see what people are doing. I watch and see what they believe. I, I watch to see what it is they're propagating. What they're recycling into the digital ecosystem. That's pretty much all I do. I'm a voyeur. I'm not a participant online. Outside of my own very tight, uh, usually on Facebook, almost exclusively on Facebook. The only thing I do on Twitter, those podcasts, mostly. I comment occasionally. but Very, very rarely, and I don't engage. It's because I've seen it so many times. I got so sick and tired of having to say the same damn things over and over and over again. And hearing the same damn things over and over and over again. Being able to complete someone's train of thought. We have all these people who consider themselves individuals. Intellectually sovereign people, right? Except the problem is, is that most of us could write down on a piece of paper what these fabricants think about each and every issue. Now, we may not be able to exactly predict how they'll articulate these cookie-cutter beliefs, but we know what they are. We haven't heard the uh, litigation, the pro bono attorney litigating his case for us. We haven't heard any of that, thank God, and I don't want to anymore. I don't need any more Johnny Cochran's in my life. I stop. I just stop. And it's, it's frustrating. I'm trying to get a hold on how far and how aggressively I want to pursue this. And how authentically, too. I know that sounds weird coming from me. How authentically you want to pursue this? What's that supposed to mean? How honest I want to be with what I think and how I see things playing out, and the direction in which they're moving. I don't know how far and how hard to go at that. Our society, man. People are scared to say what they think. People are afraid. Afraid to put anything online because, hell, who knows, in 20 years, somebody might dig it up and put them in prison at this rate, right? The fanaticism, the puritanism that runs from the Q-nuts, the Cuberts, all the way to Wokistan over there on the left. Fanaticism, extremism, radicalism. How many words do we have? Over here, we got to watch out for this pile, this steaming pile of Q. And on the other side, we've got to watch out for the woke flakes. Can't offend them. Can't say anything that was, I don't know, we, we need to check the manual. We need to check every single day to see what is acceptable now and pray to God. Pray to God that we didn't cross and violate these laws, these principles, these rules. 
Make sure, make damn good and sure that we didn't violate these 25 years ago because they're going to dig back and they're going to go find it. And oh my God, burn them at the stake. Shame, shame, shame. How much do I want to get involved with that? How far up that hornet's nest do I want to stick my... Because it's a big one. It's a big hornet's nest. Maybe you've never seen a hornet's nest as big as this one, but you can stick your arm way up in it. How far up into that that hornet's nest do I want to shove my limb? Now, I made a big deal. I tooted my own horn quite a bit over the last couple of years, how I, how I haven't monetized this podcast and how I was never going to you know, monetize it. I didn't want the, the commercial interest. The commercial aspect of this, I did not want it to interfere with the product, but it kind of did anyway. There's no fuel to do this on a weekly basis. No change is going to be made. When the, you know, the satisfaction, the self-righteous satisfaction, when that wears off, what else is there if you don't have a paycheck? What's your reward? Payoff. Everybody does this. I don't care who you are as a performer. You're not doing this because you're a little altruistic bug. You're doing this because you have a need of some sort. Every performer does. To say otherwise, if you hear someone say otherwise, run. Don't trust another fucking thing they say. I'm only doing this because I want to help the world, and that's the only reason. You're a liar. If you're not getting something back from this, you're going to stop doing it. Unless you're J.D. Salinger. Unless you're that one unicorn, that one in a billion unicorn who can actually sit in his house and write for himself and get nothing back from anyone. Sort of a selfish act, if you ask me. I know you did. Well, you did ask me when you hit play. What's the point of art for yourself? It's like masturbating. But you got to be getting something back as well. I haven't found that with this podcast. I have not been able to sustain that. What am I getting back? It makes it very hard to walk through the door into the studio, outline topics, roadmap these shows, sit down and record, and go back and edit. I edit for you, not for me. You're welcome. (laughs) And to know, to know that the best that I can do, the best that I can hope for is to be able to say, (laughs) see, told you, and narrate Whatever the hell this is, whatever the whatever you want to call this, this you, do you think the division thing ended with Biden's inauguration? Enjoy the great quiet. Is that what uh, Mar called it on Friday? The great silence. We've had no Donald Trump for a month. That's over. The twenty twenty four presidential campaign just started. It's already underway. You just had a little break here. So whatever this is, is going to, we, we just, we just started the avalanche toward 2024. <laughs> Again, I know it's quiet right now. What's going to happen this week? March the 4th. Isn't that the cue date? We don't know. Maybe nothing. Maybe we'll have another, you know, lone boogaloo there. Maybe the same guy that was in, uh, in Lansing, maybe he'll show up at the Capitol. The best I can hope for. Say, yes, I was right. Look at all this shit. I've screwed some stuff up. But the general theme and the general tone of what I've been trying to say, what I've been trying to warn people against or about, I guess, for the last few years, the general tone is, you know what? Yeah, 
I don't need to be validated on that point. I know where it's going. So now it's like, well, great. Now what? You can't stop it. You're never going to get people to listen to you about things like looking in the mirror, making, you know, becoming better informational consumers. When it goes against human nature, completely against human nature, all you can do is narrate. Do play-by-play. Why? Is there a point to that? I should have monetized. (laughs) Anyway, so that's why you're getting another one of these today. And this is actually quite good. We're going to go back a year, almost exactly a year. This was the last week, I think, of uh, February of 2020. Now, coronavirus was in people's ears. We knew what it was. I hadn't really started talking about it on the podcast yet because we were going through all the primaries. The primary season had just started, and it was politics at that point. But I did a few episodes the last week of February that I really liked, and I don't think they got enough attention. Uh, Plus, yeah, it's a nice little snap, I guess, back to about a year ago, a little bit just before um, COVID really started to take over and shut everything down. Uh, But I've got a few of those, and I'm going to start. I think I'm going to do one today. I may do the other two as the week goes on and kind of continue doing this, I think, digging out some highlights from the last 105 episodes and just sort of do this kind of thing. Uh, pretty much every week until I get this figured out or until I just decide that it's it's time to go off and do something else. Anyway, the audio you're going to hear is from episode number 64. It's from uh, February of 2020. A couple of notes here. You'll hear me talking about being part of podcast communities, these virtual groups. <laughs> I'm no longer part of those. Uh, start talking a little bit more about the holy opinion. Crazy, stupid, or full of shit. That's a George Carlin bit. An old one, and it's fantastic. And that's uh, and this, that's what social media feels like these days. It really does. Is this person crazy, stupid? Ah, nope, he's full of shit. If you're a George Carlin fan, go find that bit. I talk about sectarian authenticity. Sectarian authenticity and collective critical thought. Those two things, impossible. They don't exist anywhere in the universe. I talk about how you're not the elephant whisperer. The switch is internal. Get a little bit into uh, social momentum. That's an important thing I need to probably spend more time on at some point. Uh, More on the boldness of certitude. I talked about this in an episode in the last couple of weeks as well. How stupid people or ignorant people are very certain of what they think they know. Talk about allowing change to happen. This is interesting. And this is something that I got from Dan Carlin uh, sometime in the last couple of months. But he was talking about giving Trump a path out of the presidency. In other words, don't threaten him with legal action. Give him a path out, an easy path out just to get him out of the political system. I talked about how the Mongols or the Huns used to offer their enemies a path out once they were surrounded because it's better not to fight. They know they're going to die. Give them a path out, then your people don't die at the same time. That kind of thing. Really interesting thing. And nobody does that. Nobody gives anybody a path out. Nobody does that. We have all these these former Trump supporters. 
Are you liberals going to welcome these reformed Trump supporters into your camp with open arms, no questions asked? Are you going to allow them to reform or are you going to punish them for poor decisions in the past? The path out, allowing change to happen. Don't talk a lot about it in this episode, but uh, yeah, it's pretty important. I do hope you enjoy it. And thanks for clicking in. lot of advertising and marketing in fact i do absolutely none <laughs> but uh listenership is growing like a fungus i'm involved in a couple of podcasting communities in quotes and there are a couple of people who have um trying to talk me into reactivating that page simply to make the thing more accessible make it more findable after spending, uh, I don't know, 12 years engaged in righteous ideological warfare, on and off for over a decade, I really don't want to encourage that. I, I really like the idea that my ecosystem is controlled. You know what I mean? Where I have people adding things or having discussions with me without having to dodge random feces. I like that. I really do. Not all opinions are created equal. I know. I know. Everybody thinks that your righteous opinion is holy. That if it's your opinion, well, by God, everybody should hear it. Everybody should be able to see. I don't believe that. Got some stuff from Walter Lippmann I'd like you to read. <laughs> I'm going to get that, to that today. Anyway, that's the, the sort of the dilemma I have with this Facebook page. I took it down, I think, in June of last year. I haven't missed it at all. But I, I think that they may be right about that. I could use it as a repository, but, you know, to post the links, to post material, maybe books, or some stuff that I've written up outside of the podcast. I'm still doing a little bit of writing here and there. And that would be a good place to put it. And then just let it sit. But they also say that people like to know that they're being heard, that their opinions are valued. They want you to engage the Facebook wildlife because that increases listenership. You see, I don't know. I want to do that. I'm going to get back to the theme that I've been talking about, which is independent thought. Sort of trying to detach yourself, detach the ego and the identity from the outcome. Getting your psychological dog out of the fight. The only way you can see things as they are, the only way people can see reality for what it is, is to do the best they can at detaching their wants, their desired outcome, their shoulds from the situation. It's incredibly hard to do that. None of us are encouraged to do that. None of us are taught to do that these days. Everybody wants you love marked. It's an advertising book I talked about where they're trying to get you these producers, product producers, are trying to get you, the consumer herd, to literally attach your identity to a brand. Love, it's what makes a Subaru. That's my favorite example. They want you, hippie, identifying with a Subaru. All right? It's not just Subarus. It's not just cars. Not just any product. Ideologies, politicians and political parties, news networks, they're all doing the same thing. They are targeting that identity. If you cannot shut that identity off 
and detach it from an outcome or a point of view or a perspective, you cannot possibly even have a prayer to understand what is really going on in the world. I'll go a little bit further here. You probably don't have a prayer of understanding it anyway. Oh, what? What are you looking at me like that for? Is that blasphemy? Be prepared. A lot more is coming on that. Anyway, as far as independent thought goes, I said before on this podcast and that I don't demand a whole hell of a lot from my friends. Right? But if we're going to discuss politics, if our friendship is based on politics, sociology, or anything like that, the one thing I demand is authenticity. I demand authentic honesty from my friends. And I might as well be asking people to grow wings and fly. It is incredibly, exceedingly rare to find that, to find somebody who's actually thinking for themselves and not just regurgitating the book of Bernie or the book of Trump or something they saw on Fox or MSNBC or wherever. And people are really good sometimes at concealing that. They'll reword it. They'll repackage it. But if you get good at parsing sentences and getting to the core of what they're saying, it's not hard to figure out that these are proselytes and militants who have been inseminated with a perspective and a point of view and are not doing their own thinking. I will not. Arrogant as it sounds, I know I'm a pompous ass. But if, our found, if, if the foundation of our friendship is based on politics and that's you, I, I'm always analyzing that. I don't care who I'm talking to. I am always trying to figure out. It, it's almost like Carlin. Do you remember the Carlin bit? But he talks about the different types of people, crazy, full of shit, and uh, stupid. It's one of his old bits from a long time ago. And I'm always like, okay, hmm, where's this person coming from? Is this an authentically thinking human being? Is their cognitive function authentic, organic, genuine cognitive function happening up there? Is this man a parrot? Is he trying to conceal? Is he rewording something he's heard? Is he sort of embellishing? Is he plagiarizing somebody else's thoughts on the fly to make it sound like he is informed and highly intelligent, a highly educated current events man. I'm always doing that. I'll sniff it out. I will. Eventually, I'll find it. And most people, though, if you ask them, they're either going to pronounce or actually think they will believe in their own minds that they have achieved this independence of thought, this intellectual sovereignty, intellectual autonomy. They think they've got it even as they mouth these recitations of someone else's agenda and, yeah, and inseminated opinions. We've seen throughout this podcast that is a universal tenet, a trait of good propaganda. The infected never know they're infected. Despite having their opinions manufactured for them, they think they are organic, they think they are original, that they have found the holy path to utopian, noble, and righteous Godly truth. They have found it by themselves. No, somebody's ejaculated something into their brain. It is a tenet of good propaganda. You've got to understand that. Again, Emerson said, If I know your sect, I anticipate your argument. The dogmatic sectarian's noise must be silenced if you hope to approach honest authenticity either in others or, more importantly, for yourself. 
You've got to silence that noise. You've got to know how to filter that out. If not literally and completely getting the sound and the fury out of your life, you've at least got to be able to put a cognitive psychological filter in your ear to know when you're dealing with a dogmatic sectarian's noise. And fortunately, as I said with others, this is typically easy. Not hard once you know what to look for. These are the fabricants who who believe all the same things as the rest of their congregation's sectarians do. Sure, they're going to cleverly repackage it again. They're going to they're going to reword the sermon, but even after a quick parsing of the rhetoric, it becomes clear that at its core, the scripture is no different than the guy sitting next to him in the ideological pew. They all think the same thing at their core. Sectarian authenticity is impossible. I'm going to repeat that. Sectarian authenticity is impossible. It's an oxymoron. Collective critical thought does not exist. Collective critical thought, it doesn't exist anywhere in the universe. It's impossible to have, to engage in collective critical thought. Despite all the passionate proclamations otherwise, not going to happen. I'll say this again as well. Do not try saving these fabricants beyond planting seeds. That's all you can do. You can't save them. The switch, it's internal. You're only going to provoke the elephant into a stampede. You're neither a ringling brother, I assume, if you are. Hello, I'd like to meet you. Uh, Nor the elephant whisperer. This isn't in your toolbox. And when the propaganda has fused to their identity, the sense of righteous moral certitude has embedded itself in their psyche. That elephant becomes a metaphorically violent drunk. He becomes intoxicated. He needs to sober himself up in order to be reached. So what are you supposed to do? Todd, what are you supposed to do? What am I supposed to do? You know what you do? You let the elephants roar. Let the zombies feed, man. Seek out other men with a capital M. People who are their own man, for better or worse. Find those who, even if they stumble repeatedly, are at least trying to be authentic individuals. Those whose honesty is genuine. Not meant to attract status, validation, more on that coming, validation, followers, fans, money, power. These people do exist. They are out there. Well, good luck. You're going to need it because these folks, even if they're trying to sober themselves up, even if they're trying, I guess, to reclaim their intellectual sovereignty. If they've been drunk for a long time, if they've been on an ideological bender for a decade, they have a history. They've said things to people. They've made statements or done things in various places on the internet and maybe in real life. Where they've got messes to clean up if they've taken the time and have the courage to evaluate where they've been and where they're going. And they see mistakes that they've made in the past. That's really difficult to clean up. That's really difficult to muster the vulnerability required to say, God, I was wrong. I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. I'm not sure I even believed that. And if I did, you know what? I was wrong. I've changed. That is so hard. 
especially if this has happened online, because, as we all know, the Internet is where vulnerability goes to get gang-raped. Jacques Ellul talked about this in his book. There's a guy, I'll probably play this clip in the next episode, that um, was interviewed on Your Undivided Attention. But this guy is a reformed white supremacist, and he talked about something that Alul talked about and something that I have talked about as well. He termed it social momentum, where you have such a history and your friends have expectations. Your tribe has expectations, and you cannot walk it back. It has momentum, because if you do that, you're going to lose all of these relationships. You're going to lose social status. You're going to lose credibility. Perhaps it's credibility that doesn't matter. That's a judgment call, a moral call, I suppose. I don't know. But do you realize, have you ever thought about how difficult that is to do that? I've experienced this. <laughs> Mostly from my, uh, my days railing against the Tea Party. You know, judging and deeming and labeling every Tea Partier and Republican. An inbred redneck retard. I've made a lot of enemies. I've pissed a lot of people off. I cannot clean all of that up. I can't go back and find every single person that I managed to piss off over 10 years and say, you know what, dude, I was a little drunk. Sorry about that. Try to fix it. I can't even begin to comprehend how to do that. The best I can do is just move on. You need to think about how difficult it is for people to sober up. There is a path, a, a precious path to some kind of comprehension of empathy on how difficult it is for people who have made mistakes, who have been ideologically drunk and basking, slurping, doing shots of propaganda moonshine, basking in moral certitude, basking in the warm glow of the herd's fellowship and the boldness of that certitude. Basking in that feels good, and to extract yourself from it doesn't. It's terrifying. You're losing your entire network. You are losing your tribe. And that tribe is not just going to go away. Most likely, when it sees you as a blasphemer and a heretic, it's going to turn on you. Much more on this is coming up. Much more. But think about that. It is a path to empathy here. And it needs to be offered. It needs to be understood and needs to be granted. People need to have an opportunity to change. To sober themselves up and say, you know what, I'm sorry, without being mocked and without being virtually raped. Otherwise, they're not going to uh, do it. It's not about you getting your righteous revenge. It's about allowing change to happen. The best kind of change. Another thing about authenticity that I want to talk about before I uh, steer the ship toward validation addiction. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I subscribed to a streaming channel online. I think it's called The Great Courses. basically consists of 12 to 24 hours, literally 12 to 24 hours on different subjects without many sort of visual cookies. You know, you're not going to get your little treats. You're not going to see dramatizations, maybe some photos here and there, but nothing really there to quote-unquote entertain uh, the viewer. This is deep diving into a topic. It's great. <laughs> Stuff on the French Revolution. I have a really huge hole, a huge gap in my education as far as the French Revolution that really probably today needs to be filled in. 
right? That was the main reason that I joined it. I found something on that. It's great. Although the woman does like to talk about privilege. <sighs> She's obviously got an agenda, but if you can sort of tune out the agenda, she really knows her stuff. Anyway, that's not what I'm talking about here. One series that I started was about uh, performance and stagecraft. Going from the French Revolution to that. And in the opening lecture, the woman started sort of waxing philosophic on how, as people, we are constantly acting in an effort to get something we want from other people. It's subconscious automatic manipulation. We do that constantly. It doesn't have to be selfish. We can be trying to behave altruistically. All right. In in somebody else's benefit, it doesn't matter. We're still acting. Manipulative monkeys dancing for their psychological lunch. Of course, she's right. She's absolutely right about that. If you pay attention, if you pay attention to what you think and how you're behaving when you're around other people, if you really start to monitor and analyze that, you know damn well she's right. Even if you're acting like you're not really acting, you're still acting. You're still projecting something to the audience. That's what people do. Now, I've had varying degrees of success. At times, I've failed miserably at it, but for almost 16 years, I have literally been obsessed with finding authenticity, peeking behind the mask, seeing myself, seeing others, seeing the world as they are, right? And over the last couple of weeks, I've come to see that this woman's ever-present thespian mask, her idea of the ever-present thespian mask, is what disguises and conceals our core. Who we really are. Why? Why is that? I've concluded that maybe the answer is related to what I used to call the Coyote Complex, my 2009 glimpse at Height Sullivan. When I initially detected what Height calls post hoc rationalizations, snap judgments, post hoc rationalizations, deceptive thinking, seeing what we want to see, and then arguing backwards from it. I was more interested in how we do that pertaining to ourselves, how we see ourselves. That's why I called it Coyote. He wasn't a knight, but he thought he was a knight and behaved like a knight. How we see ourselves in the post hoc rationalizations that we engage in to convince ourselves that that is how we really are. It fascinates me. When I found that in 2009, whatever quest I was on before that, hitchhiking around the country came to an abrupt end. Everything changed. I lost my religion because I started analyzing that. How I'm doing this post hoc rationalization. My spirituality came to an end because I figured out... And it was just a way for me to put myself at the center of the universe. The universe is here for me. The universe is looking out for me. Everything happens for a reason for me. Bullshit. Now, I've said before, I wish I could go back and put that back in the bottle because I will tell you, (laughs) I was a hell of a lot happier and more excited about life before that epiphany. I'm not saying this made me happier. I'm saying I think it made me a little more authentic. Got me a little closer to understanding who and what I was and guiding me towards what needed work. I'm obsessed with that. I'm still obsessed with that. I'm going to be obsessed with that until the day I die. It drives people crazy. It does. Anyway, over the last couple of weeks, thinking about that thespian mask, How it conceals our core, and I've asked myself why. And again, 
I think it has something to do with Heights Elephant and that self-deception. It runs far deeper than public performance fuckery, which is what we're talking about here. The, the indication that you go out and you meet your friends, or you, you're out in public and you're putting out a performance. That self-deception runs a lot deeper than that. Again, why? You ever thought about that? Why is it? Why is it that we're always concealing this core in sort of a titanium box? Never to let anybody see it. Never to let it out. Why is that? The more I learn about we the chimps, I have to conclude that that's because behind these masks, behind these performances and constant unconscious deceptions, lie faces that are hideous. When they're glimpsed next to this really pretty mask we wear out in public and on stage. Further beneath those funhouse mirror reflections, we know how hideous these faces are, at least in relation to the pretty little mask. That's what I think. Sigmund Freud called the chained beast that I'm talking about. The thing that's prowling within these psychological dungeons, hidden from the world, he called that the id. I've called that the ego. Depends on your perception. Eastern or Western perception of the ego, Freud called it the id. The Buddhists sort of call that the, the ego. Whatever. It's semantics. It's the same thing. Call it whatever you like. For the purpose of this podcast, I will call it the id. I may refer to it as the ego at some other point in time. Anyway, that beast, that's why we domesticate our young. That beast lurks beneath the quote-unquote thin veneer of civilization that I've talked about. I keep raising these warning flags about blank slate pseudoscience. Ignoring the beast won't make it go away. It makes it more dangerous. And the Internet's anonymity, freedom from organic accountability, has given the herd permission to remove its mask. And Freud's id is being unleashed upon itself. I am 100% convinced of that. At one point, I thought that these online avatars were sort of maybe innocent digital little projections of who we wanted people to think that we are. I think that's true. But it doesn't go far enough. In addition to performance-based validation addiction, this technology has simultaneously unmasked the contorted, crazed face of humanity and unleashed the beast. These aren't just simply deceptive, narcissistic avatars. They are that, but not just that. The Internet is showing us exactly who we are, showing us exactly why we self-domesticated. Look, I asked for authenticity. I still do. I think I now understand why I cannot find it, except in almost mythologically rare cases. It's so rare. Almost unheard of. And I've concluded that maybe I ought to be thanking my lucky stars for that. The Phantom Public, I talked about that book last time. Mr. Lippman should have collaborated with Rod Serling, done a takeoff, Phantom of the Opera. I don't know how that would go, but that's quickie today. It's all right. I've got the next one right here, and I think it's coming real, 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 soon. Maybe even later today. I'm going to try to do these, I think, on a, I'm going to give it a shot, trying to do it on a daily basis. Let me do the politics dump thing on Sunday. I've got a lot of that written up. Websites escapingthecave.com. Go check that out. Fuck Twitter. Look for the Facebook page, maybe. 
escaping the cave, maybe. It's not up yet. Might be soon enough. Till next time, so long.